Welcome to episode number 58 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this week's episode, I interview Elizabeth Haynes, who's the founder of RN to Writer, uh, a program that is designed to support nurses helping people by using their words instead of a stethoscope, which I think is brilliant. So in this uh, conversation, Beth and I talk about how she's built a six-figure business, how she uses writing, which was a skill that she had from a previous you know, career that she had prior to nursing, and how she's combined the two. And it's a beautiful example of what's possible when you take something that either you know how to do or you you love to do and you uh, use it to your advantage in a way that really works for you and the lifestyle that you want to build for yourself and the number of hours you want to work. The beautiful thing about her business is just a um, side note, she works 24 hours a week, right? So there are a lot of you I'm sure who are out there thinking, well, I could do that, okay? And if you're like, I could do, you, you need to listen to this episode. So so enjoy it. Um, this is Beth Haynes who's going to talk about um, freelance writing and how as nurses we can use it to write advantage and not only build maybe a side hustle, but go on to build something that uh, sustains us and provides us with our version of living the good life. So so without further delay, uh, here's the interview. Enjoy. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming on today to um, just talk about your experience and your business. Um, I'm excited to interview because I see you all over LinkedIn. And so it's exciting to just put a, a face with a name and also to share what you're doing. I think it's amazing. So let's dive in. If you would please just start by introducing yourself and telling people a little bit about your background. I think that'd be a great place to start. Well, first, thank you for having me on, Anne. Um, you're doing terrific stuff over there with your podcast and your company, helping nurses e- expand, I would say, the joy of their life. Um, that's sometimes a little lacking for nurses. So good on you for helping people um, realize that in their lives. Uh, My name's Elizabeth Haynes, and I'm the founder of RN to Writer. I'm a nurse, but I made my living as a writer, did pretty well at that. And now I teach other nurses how to do the same thing through our courses and coaching. And by the way, I know you'll have this in the show notes, but we do have a special offer for your audience if they want to explore freelance writing. So Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Tell, how did you, have you always been a writer? Is this something that has kind of been in your back pocket and something you've enjoyed? Yes. Um, interestingly, I was a writer before I was a nurse because I'm a second career nurse. Um, and my previous employment background was actually administration and office stuff, though I had always wanted to be a nurse. And so when that opportunity came towards the middle of my life, I seized it. But um I have always been a writer, always interested in writing. I I tried freelancing starting in 1994, and it took me 15 years to crack it and be able to make a living at it. And so I thought, you know, most nurses have never heard of this as a potential career. I don't want them to learn about it and have to take 15 years to also figure it out. So I'm going to help them along. Yeah. So when back kind of what was your preferred like type of writing that you were doing like prior to even doing some of the nursing stuff? I have always done um, two types of writing, consumer writing, which is like magazine articles. I mean, back in the, back in the nineties, before, before the World Wide web was widely available, if you wanted to be a working writer, which is what I wanted, um, you wrote for magazines 
You sent article queries, they're called, to editors. If the editor liked it, they would commission it. You would write it. They would pay you. And that's how the industry worked. So I started off by covering art and antiques because that's my other passion. And um, I eventually got a gig actually writing for Antique Week. I wrote like all their cover features and stuff for a while, a year or more. Um, but I also liked marketing writing. Very early in my working life, I had a position as a public relations coordinator for a nonprofit. And so I wrote tons of press releases and newsletters for the membership and all that kind of stuff. So that those skills and background all nicely then converged after I became a nurse and by then the World Wide Web was huge and writing opportunities were massive. And I was like, okay, now I can be a health and healthcare writer and use these special skills I have as a nurse to um, bring more, uh, what do I wanna say? Correct information. Mm. to the web because okay. as a nurse in practice and I'm sure everyone in your audience regardless of your licensure level especially if you think back to let's say 2005 2008 uh people would you'd come into the exam room and someone would say well I know you're telling me that I need surgery for this cancer but I read on the web I could just drink green smoothies to cure this and you'd be like, your head would kind of be exploding. And I thought, you know, I want to contribute to making Dr. Google better and more accurate so that we don't have to have these conversations with people who are frankly being misled. So I went down that path. What made you go to nursing? Like, why was nursing of interest to you? I had wanted to be a nurse from the time I was young. I had an older cousin who became a nurse and I admired her so much, but mm -hmm. I just lacked the confidence coming out of high school to pursue that path. And it happened that later on in my life, I was working as a department administrator at the University of New Mexico here in Albuquerque. And in the employee newsletter one day, it said, we're creating a new program, an accelerated BSN. And if you have any kind of degree whatsoever, you can enroll and we'll consider your application. And I was like, here's my chance. Mm -hmm. So I talked it over with my husband and said, I'm pushing 50 at that point. But I said, I've always wanted to do this and I would like to do this. And we made it happen. And 16 months later, I was a newly minted RN. Mm -hmm. And what, what kind of nursing did you do? I started in PACU at the Level 1 Trauma Center, and that was very interesting. I found the work environment actually too loud. I, I, I'm sitting here, your audience can't see, but I have headphones on because I've actually had hearing loss, and I think that contributed to it. Um, and then I went, I my career was not long. I finished my career working with a plastic and reconstructive surgeon in a small clinic environment, and that was they were both fantastic experiences, and I loved working with the patients. I liked the plastic surgery better because I had more one-on-one -on -one time with patients. So that was, you know, and I think that's what why a lot of nurses get into this. Mm -hmm. So then you do plastic surgery, and then what? What was the next step? 
then I went, uh, I started writing on the side again. I had this idea that I could use my, combine my nursing passion with my writing passion Mm -hmm. and potentially make a living at this. So I started writing on the side on the weekends because I had an eight to five nursing gig Monday through Friday. And I just kept growing it and growing it and growing it until I had replaced my nursing income. And then I resigned from my clinical job and I started doing what I consider to be patient education as a writer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what what do you like most about the work that you do now? Well, so today as a coach, I get to introduce other nurses to this career, which is what I love about that is nurses have n- never heard of this. Their their mind is always blown. They're like, what do you mean I can make money by writing? Because there is this uh, mythology in American culture that all quote unquote artists are starving in an attic somewhere. And when I hit them with, no, I, I made over six figures as a writer years and years, and I never worked more than 24 hours a week. And they're like, what? So that factor really is thrilling to me to get to introduce them to this idea and then shepherd them through the process of becoming a writer, learning this industry, getting their first client. It's all very exciting to me to to watch how excited they get. What do you think you like more, coaching or writing? I, that's, that is a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, I love writing. I, I do also have a creative writing degree, full disclosure, People think that gives me some kind of hidden competitive advantage or something. And it's like, oh, no, believe me, learning how to plot a novel has no has no bearing on whether you can write health articles for WebMD. Um, but writing has always been a huge passion, and I love it. But at the moment, coaching is really what jazzes me. It's what brings me the good life. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When you're working with people now, most of your, so a lot of it is on, you do the part of like coaching them on the drama or kind of getting through those initial steps, but also like supporting them with the more tactical portion of writing. Cause I'm sure there were, there are some tactical skills that, you know, or the strategic part of setting up this kind of a business. Yes. As a matter of fact, um, our programs are more business focused because nurses all come pretty much from an employee background, a W-2 background. Now, advanced practice nurses like yourself often are set up in a private practice or something, which is entrepreneurial, in my opinion. But having to not only learn skills like how to write for the web because most of most writing is on the web today but how to set up that business how to operate like a business owner how to market your services without resorting to high pressure sales tactics which everyone hates you know um and actually that's totally the wrong tactic in this industry you never do that it's a relationship industry but learning how to do that learning what do you need to do in terms of the IRS and 
do you need a business bank account? Do I need a license? Um, do I need a nursing license to do this? Um, there's so many business related questions that we cover while also covering the skills. Although in our programs, we do assume that people coming in have basic writing skills. Like what we say is if you ever got a C on a college paper, you have enough skill to be a professional writer. <laughs> um, so we mainly talk about writing from the standpoint of what do you do when somebody says yes? And now you have an assignment and you're freaking out and you're like, mm -hmm. how do I do this? I don't, you know, and how do I format this? And it, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's your version of living the good life? What does that look like for you? I love this question. So in our marketing, we talk a lot about the money. Like you can make tons of money doing this. But the irony to me is that I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the free time. Before I was a nurse, I always worked a traditional eight to five Monday through Friday job. And I hated it because for one thing, I always felt like I was done mentally by two in the afternoon. And then I had to sit there for three yeah. more freaking hours. It's like, I'm getting my work done. Why can't I just leave? Right. That was always my attitude. And then as a nurse, I started working a traditional 312s, although they were day shifts. And then I was just physically exhausted. So it's like having four days off didn't do much for me because I was recuperating. So then I went back to the the five eights. And I never liked that my whole life. I was like, I want to, I'm fundamentally lazy. This is the conclusion I came to. I'm a fundamentally lazy person. So therefore I want to find the career that gives me the maximum amount of money for the least amount of time and effort and writing 100%. did it for me. Yeah. So, so my version of the good life was when I was writing, um, I have all this time off. I could go have lunch in the middle of the day, go antiquing. You know, some days I would only put two hours in in the office and just receive checks and deposit them, you know. Now, as a coach, I'm working more, actually, but I still have lots of time off. And that, to me, is the absolute definition of the good life. Maximum return on minimal effort yeah, is it for me. I love it. You're a maximizer, probably just like I am. Have you ever done Clifton Strengths? I have not. Oh my I've gosh, heard dude. of it, but it's so good. And it's so funny that you, the way that you talk about it. Cause I, and even when you say like, I'm, I'm, you know, a, a lazy person, I don't think it's lazy. I think it's just, there are some of us who are built. I'm a, I'm a very similar way, which is I never wanted to do a 95, a nine to five position. I never wanted the like monotonous routine and, you know, of going to the same place. And my first job as an advanced practice nurse was we, I worked Monday through Friday and every other Saturday. And I went to the same place. I didn't take call in my role because I was working more as a WHMP. And so I, and I couldn't stand it. And I come off of working three twelves and, you know, work, work nights and like that, but also just didn't like how tired I was. And so, but I think what I've come to realize over the years is that some of us, and based on usually, I think it usually points to whether or not we're introverted or extroverted. And I think just for, and Susan Cain does a beautiful job of talking about it in her book, Quiet, where she's like, 
you're an introvert, you're going to need double the amount of time that you spent forward facing. So for every eight hours that you're in clinic, you're going to need double the time to recharge your battery. And I was like, no wonder I only want to work three days a week. Like it makes so much sense now because my battery literally is drained and it needs to recharge. And that's just kind of how long it takes. Um, and so I look at it and I'm like, oh no, that's not lazy. That's just working within the confines of how your body is set up and how you're like how you like to do business. And I think that's beautiful to achieve, to get to a place and say, this is how I operate in the world, which is what you did. Like, this is how I operate and how I desire to live, what fits in, which is a beautiful, I mean, you know, from coaching, like that's a beautiful way to make magic, like decide what you want and, and, and then see what fits along the path to help you get there. Like, absolutely. I could not agree more. And I hope everybody understands when I say I'm fundamentally lazy, I'm really joking about that because I'm a very driven person as anyone will tell you. But like you said, I I am also introverted, which again, made freelancing a great career because the interpersonal interaction is minimal. And like you said, I identified I need a lot of recharging time. And in my case, I have taken care of elderly parents for going on now 20 years. And so that's a drain. And I think that you made a really crucial point about figure out what you want or what you need, and then find or design a career that meets that. We so often, I think society, you know, we grow up being socialized to, we need to plug ourselves into um, the work world as it exists. I know for me, my parents were not at all entrepreneurial. And my one of my bigger regrets is not more fully pursuing entrepreneurship earlier because I had all this negative input about doing that. To them, there was one way to make a living and that was do the grind. And the grind didn't work for me. It took a toll on my mental health and my health. And as you said, when I finally figured out, no, you know, I have identified now at midlife, thankfully, I mean, not even later than that. Here's what I need now. How can I get it? And then I designed a way to get it. And my life has been fantastic since then. And I really hope your audience understands they can do that too. Yeah. That is not impossible. Yeah. Although it seems as much, I mean, it seems terribly impossible, I think for a lot of people and it's normal. I, uh, I think, you know, we, I interview routinely people just like you and me who make a decision one day and they go out and, and carve a path for themselves that you know, may not be familiar to the people around them. It may not be acceptable to the people around them, but it works for them. It serves them in a way that traditional models and methods don't, whether that's because the systems are shit and they're set up to, you know, uh, in a way that doesn't favor or that actively harms, you know, the individual, uh, or because they just don't, you know, they're just not in alignment with the way in which they like to work. And so I think it's beautiful to be able to say, to stop and pause, just like you said, and say, well, what do I want? And how can I fit, you know, how can I go get it? And if I'm willing to just allow for the possibility that something could exist, that could get me from where I am today to where I want to be working three days a week with minimal interaction with humans, you know, um, or, you know, doing things that allow me to really think deeply on a topic or to do something that feels that I'm passionate about. That's a beautiful way to live. Absolutely. And I hope also people understand there are, there are always challenges that you have to get over around or through. 
Like, I'm sure you would say this too. I didn't just magically sit down one day and be like, oh, I know what I want now and I'm going to pursue it regardless of any external influences on me or negative pressure or whatever, and it's all going to go smoothly. That's not how it works. But if you persevere and if you remember your why, like if you have a good why, and it's like, remember, this is the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, I deserve peace in my life. I deserve prosperity in my life. I deserve to be functional and happy in my life. And this is going to get me there. Then it becomes somewhat easier, I think, in a way, or it smooths those challenges. It's like, okay, I can be tenacious to get through this one. And then I'll go on. And when the next one comes, I'll feel even more confident tackling it. But there is, to me, not like any smooth path. You do have those challenges. You just have to have faith in yourself to overcome them. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We I just got off a call before uh, this one with a client when we were talking about how she's deciding between two options. And I was like, look, both are great options. Both are amazing ones that you've created for yourself. And both are fraught with vomit inducing moments, uh, frustration, overwhelm, anxiety. Your brain would like you to think one is easier and better. It's not, there will be uh, equal amounts of shit storms in both. So if we just agree, if we just take it off the table and say, look, we're going to have a lot of, you know, hard moments in option A or an option B. And if we also say both are amazing and you're never choosing wrong, like both are amazing. They're both phenomenal options. Then what does that open up? And it was just funny to, to watch her go between like, you know, trying to like rally between A and, and B. And I was like, no, like, here's the only thing that matters that at the end of the day, when you go and lay your pillow, uh, lay your head on the pillow at the end of the day, like what choose your heart, what, what do you, which, which sounds better to you? They're both hard. Don't kid yourself. They're not, but what, what's a worthwhile endeavor for you that helps you, you know, uh, get to your why or be a better version of yourself or create the impact that you want to do or create the lifestyle that you want to do, or like, like choose that one. Cause right. Right. Like at least you, we know, like, don't I, and I think it's so funny. It's like, I, you probably have this conversation with your clients on entrepreneurship, which is like, um, which is what you said, you know, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. The work of being an entrepreneur is, I think it's probably a double hard, you know, right. You, you not only are figuring out the, um, the task of what you're doing or the service or product that you're selling, but you're also figuring out the business end of it and the, you know, the running and operation of a business and, and providing that service or product. And so it's a double whammy for a lot of people. And so none of it's easy. It's just choose your heart and fucking go all in. Like, like just be, just go right. Like that's, I think the difference. Cause to me, I'm more of an achiever and I, but I know that if at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, I gave it my all, I went all in, it was hard and I did it. And that to me feels like, even if we didn't achieve, uh, in the result that I had anticipated creating, we still got somewhere. And I'm still like madly in love with just the fact that we did something hard and we got through it. Like, that's amazing. Yes. And, and I think another, um, another point that you just raised is, and I find this a lot with nurses and understandably. So first of all, it doesn't have to be an either, or Mm -hmm. like, at least in writing, you can build your career however you want. 
Like there, there is no, I always say this, we don't teach a one true path to anything. Um, and so it's not even necessarily, should I do this or this do elements of both mix them up, figure out which, which parts of this work for you and combine them and do what you want to do. The other thing that I find, like I say, with nurses in particular is they think there's a right and wrong way. And, and I understand that because in nursing, there very is a right or wrong way. (laughs) You're pulling somebody's central line out wrong. That can have a very negative outcome. Yep. In entrepreneurship, there's no right or wrong. Again, it's like, try this, see if it works. If it doesn't, okay, that is fine because you still learned from that. You mm-hmm. learned that that doesn't work, but there might be elements that did. So now try something else. Try this. It's it's trial and error. And like you said, there's the achievement aspect of that. If you can see those moments where something doesn't work, not as failure, but as an achievement of sorts, because like Edison said, now I've eliminated one thing that won't work out of 10,000, see that as an achievement and then plow forward, just keep going. Cause it's not, um, it's not right or wrong. It's not this or that. It's not even to me really success or failure. It's just working the whole journey and trying to have as much fun with it as you can. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good way to look at it. I think we we talk about it a lot from from two standpoints: the right and wrong conversation. But we talk about it in our program with, well, you know, we've been brought up in a discipline that, just like you said, there are ways that are harmful to patients. There are ways that are harmful to to do things, uh, and there are ways that are really helpful to do things. And so, you know, our job because we are the stewards of um, you know safety and and you know providing safe care, and we've committed to that. Our job is to be, you know, really in tune with that, to pay attention to evidence, and to try to do our best, right? But that's all we can even, <laughs> even at the end of the day, that's all you can ask is that somebody shows up and and you know does his or their best, and. And then the other part of it is that, um, you know, I think a lot of us get, you know, whether it's because we're socialized either by our families or by culture or by media, and we get socialized into this, you know, very patriarchal model of thinking, which is like, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And, and women, I think in particular experience a lot of that inner chatter of like, well, my thighs are too big and I've got too much hair on my upper lip. And like, that's the wrong way to exist in the world as a woman. And a lot of that conversation, even though it's surrounding usually image and body, cause that tends to be, or, um, you know, motherhood's probably a, another familiar vehicle where a lot of women face shame or blame because and guilt, because of just the conditioning of how you're supposed to show up in terms of perfect mother or perfect body or whatever. And then to bring that, you know, we bring all of that thinking with us when we come into entrepreneurship and when we come into nursing. And so, so there's, it's ripe for, oh, it's ripe for um, conversation and really just being keenly aware of when that thinking starts to make your entrepreneurial journey or your, um, your avoidance of like going that route uh, more of a reality because then we've got some real, that's where we've got some real work to do. And there's a lot of opportunity for those who are willing to look at that and say, Oh, maybe that's not how I want to, the thinking that I want to bring into entrepreneurship. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you raise so many interesting and valid points. Entrepreneurship is still, in my opinion, not viewed as appropriate for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though there are a lot of women entrepreneurs now, especially well, you, the, 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 like, like fastest, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs are black women. 
which I think is not surprising because I think probably so many of them are like the system's terribly toxic and harmful to me existing in it. And so the hell with it, I'll just go and build my own table. Um, but I agree with you that I think it's still not very, it is not from a traditional standpoint and acceptable. Uh, well, no, because we're still supposed to be the, the family caretakers and the nurses have that trait in abundance. We are mm-hmm. caregivers and caretakers as nurses. Mm-hmm. And if you're um, entrepreneurial, you can be viewed as selfish um, because, you know, I had, this is a conversation I have a lot. Um, a lot of people in our programs, one of their first questions is, how do I make time for this? And I'm like, you close the door, you put a sign on it that says I'm working and you refuse to answer it. And that is seen as horribly selfish. Like pe- women recoil when I say that, well, but my children, but my spouse, I'm like, you know what? Your spouse can get their own fucking snack. <laughs> like, right? I'm sorry, they're grown adults. And even if your children are small, guess what? Your spouse is also their parent and they can watch the children. They can parent, I should say, um, while you're taking two to four hours to work on your business. But there is a lot of pressure not to do that. If you're a woman, if a man was doing it, no one would think anything. Everybody would be like, don't knock on the door. Daddy's working. Be quiet. Right. Don't scream. But not mommy. Right. Right. And so there's huge conversations there. And another point that I wanted to make when you were talking about, um, when we were talking about right and wrong, I also find particularly with women is the shame factor. I think that the, the sense I get from a lot of the people, the nurses in our program, and I think this somewhat comes out of nursing, is when it comes to the right or wrong thing, if they feel like they're doing something the wrong way, quote unquote, they have a sense of shame about that, like embarrassment, like, oh no, I fucked up. Uh, I did and this And I'm wrong. the problem. Yes, exactly. Yes, right. Because that is rampant in nursing. Yeah. There's a lot of shaming and blaming in nursing. And again, to me, that's almost, it's not, it's not unique to women with respect to the men who may be listening and the men who are also nurses, but I do think it affects women more deeply, that sense of shame or the sense of shame that I'm not following the path that my parents wanted for me, that society wants for me, that blah, blah, blah. And so there are deep issues. Um, I talk about freelance writing in an easy breezy way. But when people get right down to it, we in the coaching, these don't even seem like, these issues don't even seem relevant to freelance writing, but they are because it's entrepreneurial. Yes. And as you know, these things come out when you're in coaching. Yeah. This is why we talk, we have a whole segment on patriarchy and we have a, you know, a lot of chatter, a lot of talk about patriarchy and the influence of patriarchy and then systems of oppression and just how that shapes so many of us in terms of how we show up, whether it's on the, at the bedside in a, you know, in an RN role, whether it's, you know, um, on call as a midwife or in the clinic as an advanced practice nurse, or it's as a nurse executive in a leadership role, all of it, because you're not right. Just (laughs) whatever role you go into, it's always, if that thinking is there and if it's a belief system, it's going to show up in, you know, a variety of roles. And so, I think it's a, it's a huge part that we don't talk about probably enough because it's a, it's such a, you know, the, the when you can shift from saying, oh, it's, I I'm the problem 
uh, and I'm at fault and I'm, you know, because I did it wrong, it makes me a bad person when you can shift just slightly into being like, Oh, well, it could it be possible that the system is totally fucked up. And so maybe the sys a fucked up system produces fucked up outcomes. And that's just how it, systems that are fucked up work. Like, and, and I'm in it and I have a responsibility and I recognize my portion of it and my, how I show up. And I also understand that, you know, I'm operating in a fucked up system. Like that's the, and so I don't then in turn blame myself. And I don't in turn, in addition, shame myself into thinking that like, I, I, my being is the problem. Like my identity, like who I, the way that I do know. Oh my God. That's like, I mean, it's funny. I, we're building business. It's always funny. We always laugh. I'm like, look, we're building businesses here and we're, we're becoming coaches and we're starting private practices and we're starting online courses and we're doing all these fucking amazing things, which is great. But like, if you learn nothing more than the day, than the fact that there is a very, uh, you know, present chatter going on in your brain about shame and blame and feeling guilty. And if we do nothing more than address that and quiet down that little, you know, source of chatter, like that chatbot that's continually going, we've done, we've done a great fucking job in my opinion. Like if that's 100%. what helps you, right. Like if that's what helps you live the good life. Like your version of the good life is like, Oh, I just exist in the world. And I don't blame myself for shit. Cause somebody told me once that I should, but now I just like get to decide that like, Oh, I don't blame myself for any of that shit anymore. That's a beautiful way to live the good life. Yes, absolutely. Just finding freedom from that. Yeah. What I consider dysfunctional thinking. Yeah. And again, it comes up, you, you think like business coaching or vocational coaching is all about the nuts and bolts of how to do something, but oh no, because there's all these mindset issues. There's tons of life coaching involved in what I do. And like you said, helping people see that, uh, not, not take things personally, not feel responsible for things outside their control, which is a little codependent type thinking. Um, if, if a client is, if you have sent a, a cold letter of introduction to a prospective client and you're not hearing anything back, not, not saying, oh, it's because I'm a horrible person and mm-hmm. I should shrink down now and I can't succeed at this. And instead saying to yourself, maybe they're busy. Maybe they're not in that position anymore. Maybe their dog got hit by a car. Sorry, a little trauma trigger there. Um, maybe they got sick. Maybe their budget got cut. Maybe they're having marital difficulties. Maybe they're on vacation. There's a million possible reasons, right? A million. Yeah. So the, the reaction to like take things personally, like you said, to say, oh, I must be to blame here. I must be a problem here. You have to shed that thinking, which is easier said than done, but you can yeah. practice it. And when you practice it, you go, oh, you know what? Nothing bad happened to me when I let go of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? the world did not stop. It did not stop on its axis. It just kept going. And I just decided, yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I wonder if, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about getting started? I think there have been so many pearls in the conversation, but you know, for someone who's like, I kind of like to write and I love to edit and you know um, what, what recommendations or advice would you give them? The very first thing I tell people is don't quit your day job, like not because you can't make it or because it's insanely like difficult to make money as a writer, but because 
when you have a steady income, it relieves that pressure to have to succeed quickly because you're learning an entirely new industry. Writing is an old, venerable industry. It operates with certain conventions that you have to learn, just like you had to learn how nursing works, right? How healthcare works. And so if you quit your job and try to plunge into this, I can almost guarantee you're going to wash out because you you can't learn it that fast. You can't start making money next week at this. So keep your day job. Start on the side. Devote four hours a week. That's what I tell people. Devote four hours a week on one of your days off to learning this industry, starting your business, building your business. And then the more you start succeeding in your business, the more you can ramp down what Mm -hmm. you're doing in your clinical job to the point you want to. Mm -hmm. And you know, another amazing thing about this particular career of freelance writing in terms of the good life is you don't have to do it full time. You right. can just make extra money on the side if you right. if that's what you want. You can cut your clinical hours in half and make half of your income that way. And then you keep your benefits, for example. Yeah. That you can decide to do it full time, quit your job and travel the world because you can freelance from anywhere you want if you have internet. So like as you're keeping your day job and working on the side, Start refining what your values are, what you want to get out of this. And then, you know, the name of my ebook is Design Your Dream Career as a Nurse Writer. And it's like, as you're doing this, start thinking, what is my dream career as a writer? Now that I'm seeing I can do this, what do I want this to look like? And it can be, it can look like whatever you want. I mean, it's endless possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even the types of writing are endless. Like we don't even, we don't go into pharmaceutical and regulatory writing and all that stuff because I never did that. But I know hundreds of nurses who do that kind of writing and they love it. So Mm -hmm. yes, it's endless possibilities. Yeah. Right. Um, How do people find you if they want to, if they want more information? Oh, thank you for asking. So our website is rn2writer, rn2writer.com. They can find us over there. Um, they can buy our ebook. It's five dollars and ninety cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Read it in an afternoon. Uh, very soon, probably by the time this episode airs, um, buying the ebook will get lifetime access to our new private community. So you can talk about it there and discuss a lot of the things we were just talking about. Like, oh, I'd like to do this, but it's scary because mm-hmm. we know it's scary, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can get help there. Um, and you can also find us all over social media, as you pointed out, LinkedIn and everywhere else. Yeah, good. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about um, the work that you do and just sharing some of the insights and pearls. I think there's uh, there have been so many gems that um, you know that you've shared, and it undoubtedly will help. There's somebody listening who will have an aha moment, which is always the goal for me, which is to just showcase somebody like you who's takes a skill and who goes out and builds something and creates her own way in the world. And I just think it's just fucking amazing. So thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Thank you, Anne, for having me on. I I really appreciate it. And I, I'm sincerely mean it when I say you're doing great stuff in the world. So keep it up. Thank you. All right, Elizabeth, take care. You too.